Turning Point Scotland. Scotland's talking. Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Uh, as promised, we have the Managing Director of ScotRail, Alec Hines, with us. Uh, good morning to you. Welcome. Welcome back. Good How morning. are you? I'm very well, thank you. You look a bit more relaxed than the last time you were here. Is that because you're <laughs> relaxing into the job or is it because it's all looking rosy now? Uh, I think it's probably because I've been in the job a little bit longer, so I'm clear about what needs to be done. Right, OK. So let's take it where we are at the moment from your perspective then. Um, uh, uh, some good news with the uh, the new trains and the new stock arriving. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about um, the whole situation. The whole We'll get some calls in as well. If you've got a point you would like to put to Alex, the phone lines are now open. Uh, give us a call. And that number, of course, is 0333 So let's let's have a look at if you like, taking stock from your point of view since the last time you were here. What's, what's happening? Well, we've said for some time now that we want to build the best railway Scotland's ever had. And what does that mean? It means we're going to give our customers new and refurbished trains. We're going to give them faster journeys, more seats and more services right across Scotland. And it's de- I'm delighted that in the last few months we've started to deliver on those promises. We've now introduced the first brand new electric train between Edinburgh and Glasgow and we've been able to announce today that the second train goes into service tomorrow. Uh, we've uh, all the services between Edinburgh and Glasgow are now electric and that's allowed us to add a lot more capacity. So take uh, the recent uh, challenge around uh, the Edinburgh Festival, which is always uh, a nice challenge to have for us in terms of seats and capacity delivery. The number of seats on Edinburgh-Glasgow this year is up over 20% on the year before. So there's huge signs that this event investment is bearing fruit. Um, our new high-speed train has arrived in Scotland, the first fully refurbished high-speed train. That will go into traffic in the coming months. And, of course, any train which is not brand new, which is not part of the new intercity offer, is being refurbished to a thoroughly modern standard with free power and free Wi-Fi. So by the end of next year, the quality and the capacity of Scotland's railway will be much, much improved on today. There has been um, comments, of course, that these uh, new trains, are, you know, the, the, the refurbished ones I'm talking about here, that, um, that we're getting old stock. Why is that? Why, why did we not get new trains? Well, most people will say that the high-speed train is one of the best uh, passenger trains anywhere in the world. It still holds the world speed record for passengers on a diesel train. And uh, when, in 2014, Transport Scotland consulted on the new franchise, lots of people in the Highlands said, well, we prefer to take those cross-border trains down to the central belt. So if you can't beat them, join them. We've got 26 of these high-speed trains coming. We are going to recreate a genuine intercity network work for Scotland to connect the seven cities uh, across the country and I might add that there isn't much left on these trains which is 40 years old, it's only the body shell um, they've been re-engined relatively recently, they have been transformed internally, I was in Dundee on Wednesday morning looking at the first fully refurbished train and it is fantastic customers are going to love it What's special about it? Why is it fantastic? Oh, it's a big train feel, it's intercity, it's spacious, it's airy, the seats line up with the windows, there's lots of tables, there's lots of legroom, there's uh, a great uh, offer on board in terms of on-train catering, we'll be able to offer hot food and drink for the first time on board trains, and the first class is really, really posh. 
I must admit that my preferred uh, route of travel is train because uh, I, I like the the comfort and the sitting back, and I use the the trains quite a lot from from Dundee. And since we last spoke, um, we've had great investment after years of calling out for something to be done with Dundee Ra- Railway Station. It has been done, and uh, a fantastic job. You happy with it? I'm delighted with it. I was there for the opening and I've been used it a number of times since. And I think the investment which has gone into the station, the investment which is going into that area around the statement, uh, around the station is making a real statement about Dundee as a place. You visit there now and from the moment you arrive at the station, you really get the feeling this is a place on the up. And of course, it's not just in Dundee where we're doing that. Mm. Look at Glasgow, Queen Street Station. We've just completed the demolition of the horrible 1970s building on the front of the Grade A listed train shed. We're going to bring the railway into the heart of George Square, create a fantastic, airy, open, light, fully accessible concourse uh, onto George Square. And of course, you'll be able to connect to the capital on brand new electric trains in just 42 minutes uh, once we've completed our investment programme. So it's really, really exciting. You mentioned two points there that um, I travelled on Tuesday, Dundee to Glasgow. And you're right, a lot of uh, improvement going on in there. I must admit I was shocked at the cost. Um, And that brings, you know, we're talking about uh, more increases coming. I mean, for for two of us uh, to head from Dundee to Glasgow for the night, we're looking at 70-odd quid um, before we, we step off a train, if you like. Um, so, you know, that, that caught me out a bit. Um, and then, and I don't know whether you can explain this, but I'm going to ask because if it, it, it's not just to me this has happened. But I was sitting looking to get the uh, 9.40 train back in the evening, sitting in the restaurant. And it's pointed out to me that um, on the ScotRail website, it says that the I, I I'd missed the nine forty. That was it. So I thought, right, I'll go for the the ten forty eight. And it's on the ScotRail website that it's cancelled. So I'm sitting in Glasgow restaurant, thinking, right, that's me snickered. What am I going to do now? But I decided, wife and I, to to make our way back to the station anyway, just to see what was going on. And when I approached the gentleman there, and the, he said, no, it's not cancelled. I said, it's on it's on your website. It's cancelled. So he phoned control. And they said. Not that we know of. And nobody knew what the hell was going on. So on your website, has got the last train to Dundee being cancelled. I'm standing there wondering what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden it says, go to Platform 5 and there's the train sitting. So it's, it's a bit of a confused message here. Well, firstly, on the cost, um, obviously, most of the fares are regulated by Scottish Government. 85% of the fares that are paid are uh, regulated and those fares move in line with inflation each year. The good news is that in Scotland, uh, off-peak fares move at inflation minus 1%. So those off-peak fares are moving uh, lower than inflation. Um, Obviously, we would always encourage customers to seek out the great offers we provide. So uh, we now have a two-together rail card where two named uh, individuals can purchase a rail card and get a third off all off-peak fares. Uh, And, of course, booking in advance is also wise to get those great value fares. In terms of uh, disruption, obviously, you know, things happen on the railway. Uh, Many times it's outside of our control, trespass, 
uh, flooding, uh, suicides, these sorts of things. And uh, passenger information during disruption is a challenge, as you quite rightly point out. Um, we make an extra special effort to make sure that the last trains of the evening uh, operate. So it may have been, in this case, our control centre uh, rustled up uh, a train crew and uh, a train to make sure that the last service ran in that case. Um, it's an area which we're putting a lot of focus on. So, for example, in the last 12 months, we've uh, invested 800,000 in our uh, state-of-the-art customer information and security centres. We have one at Paisley and one at Dunfermline and that is all about making sure that we provide accurate and timely information to our customers when things don't always go to plan. I hear what you're saying about the special offers, but that seventy odd pounds was me using my card. So you know, I still think it's blooming expensive, um, and and a lot of people obviously agree when they talk about uh, prices. And I, I'm just making that point because the effort surely but must be made. You're, you're bringing on new stock. Uh, the effort must be made to get people to use the train to to to, to you know use that public transport. And if the cost is is, yeah. is high, absolutely. I mean, this additional capacity. Uh, which we're going to bring on stream for Scotland's railway. Clearly, we want to uh, make sure it's used. So that's why we're investing in uh, new marketing techniques, digital marketing, advanced uh, purchase fares, because you know we want those seats to be occupied by customers. And that's a great opportunity for us to uh, drive better value for money for our customers. OK, uh, let's go on the phone lines then, um, because we have uh, a couple of calls coming through. So let's uh, see who we've got here. First of all, we'll start off with Joseph. Joseph, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Ali. Good morning. Right, you're through to Alex. What's your point? The point was, I was at Queen Street Station yesterday at low level and waiting for the train to see what was coming. And then all of a sudden, comes over to Tannoy, it's 15 minutes late. So down to a, a signal fault. So why is it this, you're going to put all these modern trains on, so they'll get you here and there as fast as you can, but there's too many signal faults at the moment, and I don't know how, how they, they can progress when the signals are not doing their job. Okay. Um, I've also got raised from a listener here on, just on, on the back of what uh, Joseph is saying there, Alex, that the, the points failure at Haymarket on Wednesday morning, disruption on key Commuter routes in Edinburgh affects all the lines as far west as Helensborough, as far south as Lanark cause problems. And during the European Championships in Glasgow on the day of the, the cycle road race with roads closed all around the city, the advice was to use public transport. And then there was a major technical failure which knocked out the North Clyde lines. Are you saying these are things that you, you can't predict, you can't do anything about? Um, well... We're the most punctual large operator in the UK, but it's fair to say that our punctuality um, can and should be better. And there's a huge amount of focus going into this area from my team and I at the current time. Um, what we find is that particularly in the Glasgow area, we're operating an intense urban metro. And we need to make sure that our assets are very, very reliable indeed. Um, so uh, right now we're investing... Uh, five million pounds uh, over and above uh, the amount of money we were going to invest anyway in driving the reliability of the infrastructure p 
particularly in the Glasgow area. That's going to be spent in the next eight months, and that's about making sure that we have an enhanced uh, inspection regime for those signals and points, etc., and also making sure that we're renewing some of the equipment which is rather old. You know, the overhead line, for example, in the Glasgow Central area dates from you know, the 1970s, uh, it needs to be renewed, we're renewing it, we need to do better, we know we do, um, because we know that punctuality is the single biggest driver of customer satisfaction, and that's what we're here to do. Joseph, is the the, the, the trains running late, is that an, a, a problem that you, you know, you personally see? Every day, Ali. Mm-hmm. Every day, they're never in time. You can get it different times, Ali. They're, they're always a breakdown of the signal operation. <clears throat> uh, to me personally, the old signal box was the best because it reported to each different part of the line to tell me the train was coming through. Now we just get trains cancelled or uh, the signal pro. We don't get any help, Ali. We don't get any, no. Nobody comes to you. Nobody mm-hmm. tells you. They're all walking about. You can't get an answer, Ali. That's probably because they don't know. Um, but uh, thank you very much indeed, Joseph, for for that point. Let's go to Peter, who's in Stranraer. Peter, good morning to you. Good morning, Alex. Your point, please. My point is, uh, I listened to your man there talking about Glasgow, Inverness, Edinburgh. That's great. What about rural areas from Fries and Rar? Our lines to Stranraer to here to Glasgow. There no, that's just as they say, paid off trains. And the same from Fries to Glasgow. There's nothing between Stranraer and Fries, obviously. So you use cars. I mean, I drive a car now because the trains are just needless. Alec, is that is it something that you you have to you know you you've been looking very much in the central belt of Scotland trying to get that right as the the rural areas next have they been neglected? Uh, I mean, our investment program touches the whole of the country, um, Stranraer included, and um, you know so for example at Stranraer we're exploring the op- the opportunity to. Um, create a new station uh, in the town because at the moment the station is uh, at the end of the ferry terminal which uh, sadly closed some years ago and that's an area we're looking at. All the rolling stock which operates down to Stranraer is being fully refurbished between now and the end of next year um, to a really modern, uh, bright, airy state. Um, And we're working with Transport Scotland actually on a study for that line to say what is the long-term future of train service development. Um, It is a rural line, uh, as you quite rightly point out, and often getting the business case for more investment is a little bit more challenging because of the sparse population but it's something we are absolutely committed to do we want the whole of scotland to benefit from our investment program peter that must be good news surely that um Strandrar has at least been looked at and an investment could be on the cards i but the key word there was could be yeah absolutely I mean, we're about the southwest we're always forgotten about whether it's trains roads ferries they don't care about us down here it's good to hear that that could be on the cards is better than nothing. Absolutely. Peter, thank you very much indeed. This is Scotland's Talking. Guest this morning on the programme is ScotRail's Managing Director, Alec Hines. If you've got a point you would like to put about ScotRail's service, any question you want answered, that's what he's here for. Uh, the most recent survey by the Watchdog Transport Focus gave the company a passenger satisfaction rating of 84%. One of its lowest on records. Why is that, Alex? 
Well, at the moment, we're investing records amounts in the network, um, and that's um, creating some pressures for us in terms of rolling stock availability and punctuality, as we previously discussed. Um, train series performance is um, pretty seasonal, uh, and it happens that in the spring uh, wave, they call it the spring, it's more like winter, that's when the beast from the east happened. Mm. And, of course, that created a huge uh, pressure for Scotland's Railway. I actually think we did a reasonable job, uh, but we're looking forward to getting back up to the higher-level ratings that we're used to. And, of course, this investment, the new and refurbished trains, the faster journeys, the more seats and more services, will absolutely deliver that. What about the the trains and the the delay because of the the windows and the drivers not um, being able to see out of them? Surely that should have been spotted long before. I mean, it must be. I know it's it's it's, it's a a point that I'm accepting is not your responsibility the 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 building of the trains as such, but it must be disappointing for you. Well, it's disappointing that Hitachi didn't spot that until uh, relatively late in the day, but this is why we have a rigorous testing regime to make sure that those trains are safe and reliable. And during the course of that testing, this issue became apparent. Uh, so we went for a revised uh, windscreen design. Uh, it's a flat windscreen now. It works perfectly. Those trains are now into traffic. Uh, the drivers love them. The customers love them. Uh, we've got uh, two trains in service between Edinburgh and Glasgow, second one going in uh, tomorrow, and we've accepted five of these trains now and just 65 more to go. OK, uh, let's get back to some of the questions from our listeners. Ali, can you please ask uh, Alex when... Can we get something back to Fife from Dundee and Edinburgh? It's impossible on a Sunday evening. I think the service should be brought back to Leven, the highest priority, and new station build as the track is still there as well. That's from Sam and Fife. Very topical, the, the Fife-Leven line at the moment, isn't it? It certainly is. I mean, the first thing to note is that our investment programme already delivers huge benefits for Fife. So as we electrify the central belt of Scotland and we put more electric trains onto those newly electrified routes, that then releases diesel trains, which we can use to operate longer services into Fife. And, you know, by golly, do we need them because those trains are very, very full indeed. Uh, Given the bridge and the track and the signalling, it's difficult for us to operate more trains, but longer trains are coming soon. In terms of the Levenmouth branch, clearly I'm aware of the very uh, professional campaign being run by uh, interesting parties in that part of the world. Um, It's actually um, part of the network which I had a look at myself recently. Uh, We do want to see a bigger and better railway for Scotland and from my perspective that includes line reopenings. So if you look at what has been achieved on the Borders Railway, uh, its third anniversary next month, it's been absolutely extraordinary at creating jobs, growth, uh, tourism, providing new opportunities for housing developments for commuters into Edinburgh. It strikes me that that part of the world needs an economic shot in the arm. Railways are brilliant at that, so I'm looking forward to working with uh, Scottish Government and Transport Scotland to see whether there's a case for the reopening of that line. Mm. As you say, they seem to be very vocal. Um, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the leaving station being closed down because that's my, uh, my hometown. So um, I, I understand that there. And I'm just looking at another comment that's coming up and talking about exactly the same thing. I, I know you've, you, you've answered it there, but there's another comment saying evening travelling back from nights out in cities, either Dundee uh, or, or Edinburgh, trying to get back into Fife Leven is, uh, is impossible. Um, surely we should have a better service.
So that is, as you're saying at the moment, that has been looked at. No promises, but has been looked at. But certainly, um, the the success you've had with the borders line has mm. been uh, phenomenal. Mm. More than you mm. know, it really has worked. Well, I mean, patronage on the borders has beat all expectations. Uh, we're having to uh, lengthen the trains down into the borders, and you know, by now, three years after opening, you might expect the uh, growth in passengers to be tailing off. It's not, it's actually accelerating uh, the passenger numbers on the borders line. And if you look at the amount of house building which is happening on the uh, north end of the borders railway, so closest to Edinburgh, um, that, you know, increased demand will come further. But, you know, railways are extraordinary at connecting people with places, driving jobs and growth. And what did the Borders Railway do? It connected a part of Scotland with some of the lowest income per head with a bit of Scotland with some of the highest income per head. And that benefits the whole of Scotland. So, yeah, we'd like to see more of that. OK, let's go back on the phone lines here. Stephen, Stephen, good morning. Good morning, Alec. How are you today? Uh, fine, thank you. What's your point, Alec? My, my point today is pretty frail of doing well in the circumstances with the weather that you get cold weather they can't run, and the heat they can't run. There's a lot of things. They do well under the circumstances, and they can't be slated for that. But what? There will get two quick points. My first point is the trains for the West Coast, the Wims Bay, Green Open, Good Open, and all that way, Port Glasgow. The trains are dirty. I got the 10, the, the 23 from Wims Bay to Glasgow last week, and a Sunday afternoon, there was metro scattered about the, the, the carriageways. You don't get a metro on a Sunday, they stop on a Friday, Alan. Then all these drunks come on at Port Glasgow. The poor conductor, I felt sorry for her. She was intimidated and she was, abusive, she was getting abuse at the staff. Why is British Rail, the police, and these, why can she, that conductor not phone somebody for the next stop for British Rail to go to that train, the police, the transport police, and do something about it? Because the way some of these staff and the way they speak to them, and it, there's children on there and they're, they're, focused, they're, they're all fearing. Mm-hmm. Folk actually got off the train alley and wait for the next one. Right, yeah, right. That bit. protection for us mm-hmm. and cleaner trains, especially the West Coast. You've got the Aberdeen, Stirling, Edinburgh. You don't get any grief. You see me, but I just don't have a different class of people. I just don't know, Alex. Okay, let, let Alex... That West Coast needs addressed. Right, let Alex come in on that then, um, on, the, on the two points, security and the cleanliness. Yeah, so um, the rolling stock which operates down from Glasgow to Weems Bay, some of our oldest uh, rolling stock, we've recently deep cleaned that fleet uh, in response to customer feedback that they thought it could be a bit cleaner. But the good news is that that uh, rolling stock is being retired from the fleet shortly, which is enabled by these new electric trains. So those trains which customers don't like are leaving our fleet, which is great news. And in terms of security, I mean, listen, Scotland's Railway uh, is is safe uh, it's getting safer um, but as you know um, antisocial behavior is an issue on the railway as it is in society which is why we work closely with the British Transport Police uh, to keep our network safe and secure we've recently invested uh, in body cams for uh, our customer facing staff and the feedback from them has been really 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 good they appreciate the reassurance and they find that uh, customer behaviour is very different uh, when a body cam is present. We've been trialling some onboard security exercises uh, and the good news is that our CCTV uh, coverage across the network is excellent and as I said earlier on we've invested 
£800,000 in our modern uh, security centres, one at Paisley and one at Dunfermline, to provide the very safest network possible for our customers and, of course, our staff. And I would presume that should a conductor feel really intim- intimidated, they just they, it's easy enough for them to call ahead uh, to the next station and get some security help on board. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's not uncommon for a train crew to, you know, bring the train to a halt and request a police response. Uh, and that's what the British Transport Police are there to do. Uh, we work closely with them to make sure that we identify trends and hotspots and put in place measures to keep our network as safe as we co- possibly can. OK, uh, thank you very much indeed, Stephen, for making that point. Let's go to uh, Fraserburgh and Andrew's there. Andrew, good morning. Good morning, Alec. Good morning, Alec. How are you doing, gentlemen? Fine, thank you. Good, Good. I just wanted to say to, to Alec, is it fair to say, Alec, that you inherited largely a Victorian uh, railway infrastructure and train service when you, you, you took over the job, Alec? Um, yeah, I mean, one of the things, you know, we invented railways in this country. And uh, as, a, as a result, we've got the oldest uh, rail network uh, in the world. And for many, many years, um, you know, rail patronage was declining uh, and the infrastructure did not get the investment it needed. You know, privatisation completely changed that. You know, ridership began to boom, investment began to boom. But of course, we've still got this historical backlog. Um, I'm, you know, delighted to have the opportunity to lead Scotland's Railway because of the record investment going in. So whether it's on the ScotRail side or whether it's on the Network Rail side, we are investing record amounts, about £2 billion in this short period of time. A billion and a half of that is on infrastructure and about half a billion on brand new and refurbished trains. Um, we, um, we're going to create something really extraordinary here for Scotland um, and it's a, it's a privilege to lead it and of course um, here in Scotland we run track and train together which is the way we should run a railway and we're going to be the envy of the UK I, I quite agree Alec, I think you're doing a fantastic job and I think the new Hitachi trains look brilliant I can't wait to ride in one of them Excellent. Thank you very much indeed, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. A couple of comments coming in. And again, we're we're back to to Fife. Can you ask why it's more expensive to travel in and out of Edinburgh from Fife than other parts of Scotland? Uh, That's from from Kevin. Um, I'll I'll ask you for that one first. And then I I just Mm. wonder, you know, following on from that, if it's Mm. if the the pricing structure Mm. is Mm. is too complicated. Well, I think the pricing structure is too complicated. Essentially what you've uh, got is the pricing structure of 20 years ago, um, change for inflation, and then of course uh, operators have come in and added additional products and good value fares and what have you, and what that adds up to is a system which is very complicated for customers to understand. So, I mean, I think we need a simpler fares and ticketing system, and that's why the rail industry is currently doing consultation on what needs to be done to simplify it. And The industry can't do it on its own because of the existence of fares regulation. So I'm hoping that the industry working in partnership with government can change fares regulation so we can have a simpler system because the complexity that currently exists, you know, does put some people off. It's difficult to explain. It's also a, a case of, you know, we, we if you're doing a regular travel, you, you come up against quite often split tickets, um, you know, and that's another option. Why should I have to, um, to get a cheaper price or to get a price to come down a bit? 
go split ticketing. I, I mean, it, it, it was it was better for me to go on Tuesday from Dundee to Perth and then Perth to Glasgow. Um, I know you're saying that the government control a certain amount of this, but it's, somebody surely has to take a stand and say, let's get this sorted out. And, you know, why are you not doing that? Well, the, the rail industry across the UK is doing that. Um, it's the rail industry which is leading on the consultation to be able to go with the solutions to to, to government. Um, you know, where we spot fare anomalies, uh, we try to correct them. Often, sometimes by correcting them, we create others. So um, if there are glaring opportunities to make the fares and ticketing system simpler, uh, we take those. But really, the solution is a medium-term one of industry working with government to come up with a fares and ticketing and uh, fit-for-purpose regulation, which is um, good for 2018 rather than uh, 1995, which is when the existing rules were put in place. This is Scotland's Talking. OK, back on the phone lines and we say good morning to Catherine. Catherine, you're through to Alex. What's your point? Good morning. My, my point's really about people travelling that have got disabilities and I think there's a lot more that ScotRail could actually be doing to help them. Um, there certainly aren't enough stations with lifts. Um, there's not enough um, provision of toilets on that are actually working on um, uh, you know, trains. But there's also a particular issue around concessionary travel and trying to buy tickets because people that have got a concessionary ticket have got to queue up at the booth and quite often that can be taken up with people who are um, making inquiries, in which case the queue can be getting longer and longer and longer and all the time you're missing train after train after train that you may be getting. Um, I had a case where I had to stand for over 30 minutes and I, I can't really stand. And, and, and even though we approach people who had machines and ask them, could you please issue a ticket? They say, no, you've got to buy it from this place. So that's something you could bring in tomorrow and that the, the allows people who have concessionary tickets to be able to approach someone and buy a ticket. Alex? So, I mean, I agree with Catherine. There's a lot more we can do um, to help customers with disabilities. So what are we doing about it? Well, first of all, uh, every single uh, train in the fleet is being refurbished, so it's fully accessible um, by the end of next year. Uh, the great news is that in Scotland we have at least two people on board every train who can help people uh, who require a little bit more help. Uh, you talked about the availability of toilets. I mean, we've signed up in ScotRail to the toughest service quality regime anywhere in the UK and toilet availability is something that we're working really hard on at the moment. Um, often one of the reasons for toilets going out of use is the tanks are full so we're investing in new equipment at five of our depots to make sure that that happens a lot less frequently than it does today. And your point around concessionary tickets is well made. What we need to do is make them more available on our self-service ticket machines so you're not inconvenienced um, queuing uh, with ticketless people at destinations. So um, thank you for raising those points. We, we, we take this issue really, really seriously. Uh, we're investing in it. There's more we can do. And uh, we have a dedicated accessibility forum who uh, work with us to make sure that our product uh, is designed to help uh, those people who need a little bit more help when they're travelling with us. Does that answer some of your questions, Catherine? Some of them. I mean, there certainly aren't, there aren't toilets on every, um, you know, area. And sometimes even when I've been in the queue and I've asked people for help, I've been told, no, you've just got to stand. Whereas they could use their own common sense and actually issue you a ticket. You know, there was one time we were standing, there was 
three people right beside the ticket station, all with, um, you know, t- machines who could have come over and, and went into the queue and said, you know, to make the queue move quicker. Mm. And that wasn't happening. Are you saying, Alex, that these machines don't accept the concession tickets? No, they, no, no. I'm talking about when you've got to queue up to, but you know, quite you can't. The, the, the machines do not accept the concession ticket, and I understand that, you know, that that would maybe cause people to possibly then buy a concession ticket who didn't have a concession card. So I understand why it's not on the machine, but the fact is that they're telling you to queue up to to, to buy a ticket from a you know a kiosk. Mm-hmm. Rather than actually, when they've got ticket machines, they're saying, "Oh, we can only we're we're only allowed to sell them to people coming off the train." Well, the fact is, we're we're willing to buy a ticket to go on the train, but mm. they're not willing to sell it to us. Okay, Catherine, where do you travel to and from? Well, I'm I don't have a station in my my actual town, so sometimes I'm travelling from Paisley, sometimes mm. it's from Glasgow Central, sometimes it's from Partick. Um, but it's but this is I've had this encounter at several stations, not yeah. just the one. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for raising that with me. I will follow that up. There's more we can do to, um, you know, make our retailing more easily, and particularly those people who need a little bit more help. Uh, And, of course, you know, reminding ourselves that not all disabilities are visible is really important uh, when we're looking at this agenda. So thank you for raising that with me. Okay, Catherine, thanks for calling in. Uh, Robert, uh, we're going back to Strandar for Robert. Hello, Robert. Hello, good morning. Good morning. What's your point, please? Well, what I would like to know is I travel from Stranraer to Ayr, and when I got off the Ayr, it is an absolute disgrace, because for a simple reason, they're working in the Ayr Station Hotel, there is absolutely no cover whatsoever if you're standing waiting on a train, the vestibule is all closed, and I would like to know what's going to be happening with that. Okay, so, um, Robert, firstly, I'd like also, to... there's no toilet facilities, I don't know if I mentioned that or not. Okay. okay. So I was in uh, air on Monday. Um, we've got a bit of a situation down there. Um, so we have a big old station hotel, uh, which is privately owned, and it's in a very poor condition. And uh, the council there are quite rightly uh, said that this building is dangerous. And so we had to change the way we operate the station to uh, make sure that our staff and customers are safe. Um, So I was down there on Monday having a discussion about um, how we move forward from this one. There are actually temporary toilets available at air. I saw them myself uh, when I was down there on Monday. Um, There's a couple of things we need to do here with Air Station. Firstly, we need to make sure that no matter what happens with that building, we continue to operate the station uh, so Air can still benefit from its rail service. Um, Secondly, we need to decide what we would have to do if the condition of that building deteriorated further, and that's something we're working with the council on. And then much more importantly is what's the long-term future for Air Station, because I think we're all agreed we can't continue as we are. Okay, thank you very much indeed, and uh, thanks for your call as well. Um, Let's just look at uh, um, a point here that has has been raised this week. Transport Minister Michael Matheson confirmed on Thursday, in fact, I think it was, that the public sector bodies will be allowed to enter the bidding when ScotRail franchise comes up for a renewal. So we could end up with a a ferry operator, Carmack, saying they're possibly interested. What's your reaction to that? 
Well, firstly, we were delighted that uh, Michael Matheson confirmed that it's Scottish Government's uh, expectation that the Abellio ScotRail franchise will run its full term, that's to 2025. We were really pleased about that. That gives us certainty for our people and our investment plans. And, of course, one of the things that the franchising process does is introduce competition to an area which doesn't always get competition, like passenger railways. And whether... Uh, there's public sector bidders or private sector bidders. Um, you know, Abellio are absolutely comfortable with that. It's the competition at the point of franchising which drives value for the taxpayer and the customer. And if there's a public sector bidder in the mix, then as long as they're a level playing field, then, you know, may the best um, bid win. Okay. Uh, the the way forward, we are here looking at new trains coming uh, up the to the Aberdeen line. We're looking at the electric trains. What do you see ahead for the next 12 months then, Ali? Well, um, we've got to deliver a safe, clean, reliable service for our customers every single day. And at the same time, we've got to deliver this record investment programme. You know, the capital investment going into Scotland's railway this year is the biggest on record. Uh, and we're busy delivering these new trains, the refurbished trains, the faster journeys, the more seats, the more services. And so between now and the end of next year, Customers right across Scotland's railway will start to see those new trains, will start to see the refurbished trains, will start to see their journey times being sped up, will start to see the additional capacity, which means they can get a more comfortable journey, and in some parts of the network, huge uplifts in the number of services. So, for example, in the northeast, where we're spending £330 million pounds upgrading the railway between Aberdeen and Inverness. So, customers on the main Edinburgh. Glasgow line are already starting to see the benefits of that investment that will ripple out across the whole of Scotland between now and the end of next year and my team and I are absolutely committed we're going to build the best railway Scotland's ever had. It's a good strap line it's been going for a while um, so we we know that you're, you're serious about it and uh, take the opportunity to thank you very much indeed for joining us before I go actually I've just got a, a tweet that's come in here from uh, Duncan he says could you ask Alec what's happening uh, with the West Highland line rolling stock from Glasgow to Auburn Fort William getting replaced so we're refurbishing all the rolling stock on the West Highland line and we're looking at uh, um, alternative rolling stock as well uh, for that line. But the first thing we've got to do is what we what we call a gauging exercise to make sure that those trains can fit up that line. And we've recently announced that uh, Scottish Government has decided to invest in some additional carriages for that line, which will enable us... Um, to carry bikes, skis, heavy mountain, uh, mountaineering equipment, recognising the particular market on that line, obviously Fort William being the uh, mountain biking capital of the UK. So there's really good improvements in the pipeline going to be delivered uh, in the coming months and years for the West Highland Line. Uh, and if you haven't taken that journey, it is the most beautiful uh, rail journey in the world. And, uh, you know, I'd recommend it to everybody. It's it's in many travel books, isn't it? It's a, a fantastic journey. It's not one that I've I've been on, but I, I, you're right what you're saying that it just gets talked about all the time. I mean, it, it, uh, you know, Scotland's railway is is a great railway, and we're going to make it even better. And you have the added byproduct of you're going through one of the most beautiful mm. countries in the world. So, uh, what's not to like? And of course, you know, Scotland wants to take the train still, and we're investing in it to make to make that happen. Alex, thank you very much indeed for joining us on Scotland's Talking today and taking the comments and calls. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for taking part as well. Tap.
Turning Point Scotland. Scotland's talking. Like and share us. And come back for the next episode next week.